welcome to Friends at Film Camp, the podcast where two friends gather by the fire from our fun film perspectives. I'm Janine. And I'm Luke. Uh, today we are coming at you at Burma Hotel. Yeah, Friends at Film Camp on the go. Friends at Film Camp in the big city. <laughs> um, today we're talking about pneumonia. Pneumonia. Okay, I, I knew that, but then I almost said pneumonia. <laughs> go on. Pneumonia was directed by Nick, Bruno, and Troy Quay. I might be saying his name wrong, but they're most prominent for working on films like Arthur Christmas, uh, Spies in Disguise, and this film. This is their third time directing together. Uh, and yeah, so this film was originally being made by Blue Sky Studios, who is famous for uh, the Ice Age films oh. and others, mm-hmm. including Spies in the Skies, which was, Blue Sky was owned by Fox, uh-huh. and then Disney bought Fox. Yeah. And they did release Spies in the Skies. I don't know what that is. It's a movie. Thing. Should I know it? Will Smith, Tom Holland star. Will Smith turned into a pigeon. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. That sounds yeah. dumb. Apparently it wasn't that bad. Okay. Anyway, the problem... or Disney basically said that even though they bought them as part of the acquisition, they didn't want a third animation studio. Yeah. And they didn't really want to sell it or, like, spin it off. So they kind of just shut it down. Mm-hmm. And part of that was probably... But we have no actual proof of this. Yeah. They were about 70% done this movie uh-huh. when they were shut down. Yeah. So they kind of, the movie was kind of in limbo for a while. And then it seems that Annapurna Pictures has picked it up. They finished it and then Netflix, they well, wait, had Netflix distributed. Well, I think you skipped a part because the rumor is that allegedly Disney thought this movie was too gay. Yes. You didn't say that. Oh, well, yeah. Disney's a coward with gayness. So that's the the theory, is that they shut this movie down even though it was almost done, rather than just finishing it because it was, like, too gay and that's scary. Yes, but we know Disney's cowards with gayness. Yeah. (laughs) So So Netflix took it. Netflix took it. And it's the big gay Netflix animated movie now. But... Even then, Netflix did not do a good job advertising this. No. The only advertising was, like, fans pushing for it. Yeah, I just heard about it because of the gays. Yes, but TikTok really helped, seems to have helped advertise it. Yeah, so I it, sent you that one TikTok of the mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Although Netflix is just broadly bad at advertising they their stuff. Are, yeah. They really are bad. They really seem to pick, like, very specific things to advertise, which is, like, funny because it's, like, you paid for this other stuff, too. I don't know why you don't want to mm-hmm. advertise it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I I have a theory mm-hmm. that I have no evidence to support. It okay. is entirely my assumptions put together, which is Netflix originally intended to make this the big grand finale to Pride Month. Oh, yeah. And, like, I predict they had, like, a plan to maybe push it a bit bigger this year. Mm-hmm. But because of the backlash with Target and Bud Light basically canceling corporate Pride this year, I think Netflix just decided, nope, we're good. 
That's not based on any facts or anything I read. It's just a personal theory. Because this is a very gay film released during Pride Month. I feel like they would have pushed it. Yeah, true. Especially because it probably wasn't cheap for them. I liked it. It's really good. It's really enjoyable. Now I have... Here's a thing that's very personal. Uh Uh-huh. This movie is kind of not fully cel-shaded, but cel-shaded light. What do you mean? The art style. What's cel-shaded? It's an art style. Okay. And I never seem to like cel-shaded. Can you show me a picture? Black outlines, bold colors. Yeah. You don't like that? I don't not like it but for some reason i always am i feel like it's cheap even though i don't think it actually practically is i love is. it it reminds me of the, the those games like the walking dead yeah i don't like those you don't i love that art style i will not like that art style why i don't know it's shocking to me that's I, like one of my favorite art styles my one of my lesser favorites like i can it doesn't like repulse me but i'm less like it because of it. Anyway, the movie uses that as a lot of its art style, which did hurt my enjoyment a tiny bit. That's one of the things I like I'm like more about it. So, okay. I have a few criticisms. Uh, but I think we'll just go with those along the way. Because the movie starts, and my favorite thing about the movie is this main character. What's his name? Hal? Bal. Ballister. Ballister Boltheart. I love him i think he's so cute and i love his design and i love his attitude and i love his personality and i think he's great i'm surprised at how well the movie was able to make this character work in a way that a lot of him feels like very like like a the skilled hero who's clumsy very mulan he's not clumsy yeah he is no he's not what are you talking about i don't know I do know. I, that's kind of what I get. Like, it's not specifically clumsy, but it's very Mulan vibes. Okay. And I like, at first I was like, oh, we kind of seen this already. But he's just so endearing. He's so endearing. He's so endearing. And he's he's goofy when he wants to be goofy, but he's not like silly. He's goofy when he wants to have fun. And he and the two other characters will get to... A really good chemistry. Yeah. The movie starts with the gay stuff, which is very cool. It is very open from and the start. I also the dynamic between him and his boyfriend is so fan fiction. And I love it because the so this movie is sort of uh retro futuristic, but in like medieval like medieval mm. futuristic. Um and it's takes place in like a walled city. And they have, like, knights who need to protect people from monsters. That's kind of the vibe. And so the movie kind of starts us off in a way that's, like, pretty smart in terms of it gives a lot of exposition, but you don't feel like a big – you don't feel like it's a big exposition dump because you get the idea that there's some sort of bloodline situation going on with the knights and that the queen wants to bring in new people. And so they're sort of doing this, like, ad campaign to, to be like, anyone can be a knight now. Like, you have to, like, train and get in and stuff. So Ballastar is one of those people. That's not quite what it is. Yeah, it is. No, it, he wanted to be a knight. 
even though it was supposed to be like he like jumped the fence and got caught but the queen was like let him do it anyway he clearly wants to queen had a special spot for him no and then he was gonna open she was gonna open the gates because of him that's what i'm saying yeah we're not disagreeing that much okay so (laughs) he's getting like knighted or whatever um and his boyfriend so he's the weird outsider. He's also dark, which I like. Like, his whole aesthetic is, like, darkness. His sword is dark. His armor is dark, which I love because he's our main character and he's, like, good. Um, and that's just, like, rare to see that aesthetic for, like, good characters. He's also, like, so noble and, like, ooh, brooding. Um, anyway, his boyfriend, who's got a very... Uh... Ambrosia Goldon. <laughs> Or golden loin. <laughs> Ambrosius golden, golden loin. It <laughs> just has... What is that word? Why can't I think of it? Double entendre? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's funny. So, so he... He's he's the golden boy. Like, yeah. he's literally golden. He's but the also, descendant from the god of their land. Yeah, he's like, he's hero. like di- the direct descendant. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone thinks he's super cool. He's like big rich boy vibes. And they're just really cute together. Yeah. Now, here's the thing uh, Ballister Boltheart is voiced by Riz Ahmed. Okay. Who does a really good job. Riz Ahmed is always an actor I seem to underestimate. Mm. But he always does a good job. So I need to stop <laughs> underestimating him. I don't know who that is. Oh, he was the villain from Venom. Yeah. See? <laughs> In that movie, I was like, oh, he's the villain? Okay. See, every time he's cast, I'm like, okay. And yeah, then he, he does always a really does a great job. job. He's he a, a great really actor. Yeah. And I think, I kind of wish like, like he got like a good chance to lead something at some point. There's, which he does here, obviously. There's a, um horror movie that he was the lead in recently uh, that I've seen around. I haven't seen it yet, though, but I've been meaning to see it. I've heard it's good. Mm, cool. But anyway. His boyfriend yeah. is voiced by Eugene Li Yang of the Try Guys. He is? Yeah. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. That's wild. This is like a big part. This is his big break. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. He huh. the lead part in this movie. That's really cool. So, and That's he does a really, really good job. Yeah. He's clearly, like, good at this. That's so wild. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the, the movie also does a really good job at diversity, which I really appreciate. Um, in mm-hmm. that it's one of those really, like, casual forms of diversity, which is, like, also easy. This is kind of one of those worlds that, like... There's a few different ways to do historic mediums when and like incorporate like how to like you deal with racism and one of them is to just like ignore it which in this one because it's a completely fictional universe that's very easy to do you know Bridgerton also kind of does that and I know that there's a little bit of a mixed reaction to how Bridgerton deals with it but in this one because we're in an entirely fictional universe Mm-hmm. Just completely ignoring it and having it not be a thing is kind of like refreshing and nice. Yeah. And I appreciate how the movie does it. Okay. So we start the movie with them get go to Cram or Knight uh Ballister Boldheart. Uh-huh. 
and then his sword does something weird and magical and technical yes. and opens up like at the tip of the handle. Yeah, so his and- boyfriend goes through first and he gets knighted and then when he's about to get knighted, the so the, the queen is like doing this the shoulder thing and then the handle like opens up and shoots at her. And it kills her. And no one seems like it's a slightest bit suspicious that that's how she that happened. What do you mean? Like, why'd the handle open up to kill her if he was there? And Be- no one... Because it's like, she, it would be unexpected. Yeah, fair. So anyway, everyone just watched him kill the queen. Uh, and we know that he didn't do it on purpose. And? His boyfriend cuts off his arm. Yes. <laughs> Which I did not Gold realize... Goldline cuts off Ballastar's arm. I did not realize he cut off his arm. No, I don't think they framed it super well. Yeah. Because... It was very quick, very busy, and you couldn't really tell. He was the black sword and the black arm is cool, mm-hmm. but it does mean it's hard to tell where the arm ends and the sword begins. So there's a lot of like meaningful eye contact, and then there's like a big explosion, and like Battlestar's like under the castle or something, and we see him run away. And this was really interesting because of where they start the movie, where he's getting knighted, and everything's like pretty good. You know, something has to happen, or there's no movie. Yeah, but even. Knowing that, I was like shocked that this is what happened, and I was really stressed. I was like, like this the queen's is... dead. Yeah, I was like, this is really bad. Like, she's not like <laughs> in a coma, injured, wakes up at the end, like, oh, I forgive you. No, I yeah, knew you she were good. Died. So she's just dead. There's just no queen. Yeah. Seemingly, there's just no monarch. Yeah. So he's in hiding now, and that's where we meet Nimona, voiced by Chloe Grace Barrett. So here's In my... one of her best performances ever, maybe? Here's the thing. Oh, no. For the first half of her screen time, I really didn't like her. <gasps> and she kind of was ruining the movie for me. Whoa. Did you not have that experience? No. I hated her at first. I thought she was being really mean and annoying. No, I knew I liked her. Really? Yeah. I thought she was so annoying. I did not. Okay. Well, I thought she was, like, annoying, but, like, intentionally annoying and, yeah, like, comedically like, annoying and not in a way that annoyed me. It annoyed me, especially because he's, like, really sad, and I immediately very much emotionally connected with Ballister, and he did not kill the queen on purpose, she and she annoyed. keeps trying to make him the villain, and she's not listening, and then when she turns into him in the subway, it made me very sad. Okay, well, first off, for the first while... She's not very emotionally intelligent. That's intentional. I know it's intentional, and she grows on me throughout the movie. By the end of the movie, I like her. Okay. But in this first part, I really didn't like her, and I was scared that she was going to ruin the whole movie. Now, her growing on me and getting less annoying, I do think is intentional. So, by the end of the movie, it becomes... Not a problem. I liked her. Okay. She doesn't understand these complex emotions you're wanting because she's never had relations. And she thinks he's evil because everyone thinks he's evil. And she doesn't really believe him at first. I get it. I get why, like, logically she is the way she is, which is why when she becomes less annoying and more... When, she's when not annoying. She huh? is annoying. No, I'm you're sorry, annoying. but she's very annoying in the beginning. You're annoying. She's... A lot. Okay. Anyway, when she becomes less annoying 
Like, I, because, like, there are all these logical reasons, like, it, it's fine, it works. But, despite logical reasons and stuff, if something annoys you, it annoys you. Okay, well, that's heartbreaking. So it's hear. not smart to make somebody too annoying. Uh, and I do think she's too annoying at the beginning. I don't. I strongly don't. Well, I'm excited for you. I thought this was a universal experience I was having. No. So I really didn't like her at first. I also, in regards to her, so she wants to be Ballister's, what's it called? Sidekick. Sidekick. Because um, she's lonely, basically. Yes. Um... And so he's trying to... We also... We're not entirely sure how long it's been. He also has a fake arm that he's gotten somehow. Yeah. But it hasn't been that long. Anyway. So they go to... Uh, where do they go the first time? Because they're in the place. But why are they there? I don't remember. Where? Like, they go to, like, the big building in charge. Oh, he thinks he can just go tell his boyfriend truth and everyone will believe him like, i don't he, think that's what he's trying to do the first yeah. time is it well yeah first time he's just like i'll like defend myself and they'll believe me because i've proven my so. truth yeah i don't think so what do you think he's going for i'm pretty sure they go there for a reason that was the reason i don't think she that. wasn't supposed Why to be he there have done that before then she she he was trying to figure it out she came and saying he got You're, kidnapped he got kidnapped. That's why he was in the building. Because they put him in jail. They put him in jail. Yes, they put him in jail. Because he tried to be, like, convinced he was innocent. Anyway, so they put him in jail. She comes and rescues him. And then they get into shenanigans. And so she has to reveal that she is a shapeshifter. Now, my second criticism for this movie is I do not like her shapeshifting forms. I don't like how they're animated. Um, I do. The, uh, the colors are too... To me, it stands out from the rest of the movie. And it doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the movie's style. I liked them. I felt they stood out in the right way. I didn't. I found them distracting. Like, I do like... I find you distracting. I do like her <laughs> shape-shifting. And I like her stuff around shape-shifting and all that. I just... Whenever... I just... It made it less cool for me. I don't know. Like, they didn't... She didn't have any black outlines. She didn't have any of that. No. Yeah, which I didn't like. She's like a completely different style to the rest of the movie. Okay. I'm just kind of shocked how much you seem to have not liked this movie. I'm just really surprised. I like the movie. I think we heard it here fo first, folks. Jenny hated the movie. I'm telling you about the things I didn't like as we go along. That's fair. You don't like it. it this, is a, this was the shady part where I was have, I was scared. Uh -huh. It did win me back by the end, but I have to bring up the things I didn't like. Yeah, that's what the podcast is. So, she starts turning into a bunch of animals so that they can get out. He runs into his boyfriend, his ex kind of now, and yeah. she seemingly misinterprets slash maybe interprets slash is ignoring her interpretation, I don't know. But she, like, sees their, like, co complicated eye contact, and she's like, oh, he's your nemesis. <sighs> but he... They have a arm... Golden Loin and Ballister have a very complicated relationship because obviously they still really loved each other. Yeah. But they both feel kind of betrayed by the other one because Golden Loin is like, ooh, I just saw you kill the queen. That's weird. And then Ballister's like, I can't believe you think I killed the queen. That's so mean. 
Um, but Goldenloin, it has, like, everyone being like, your boyfriend killed the queen. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Why were you, like, you're such a, why were you with him? And then he's like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like he maybe did it. But then everyone's like, are you loyal to your country? And he's like, I don't know, I guess. It's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> here's the things I didn't like. Uh-huh. The director. She was so boring. What do you mean? The director, character. Oh, I thought you meant lady. the director of the movie. The lady. The I liked her. You didn't she like her? She was boring. I and really she liked her. I get like her broad motivation, but yeah. I didn't really get her motivation. No, I got it. Like I got it like script wise. Uh-huh. Like I was like, oh, she hates monsters. She hates monsters. She likes the established quo. The establishment. Yeah. But like I didn't feel personal thing with her no it felt i felt so it empty. i liked her it felt so empty to this me. is funny i really liked her i thought she was great i did not like her <laughs> she gave me uh fairy godmother vibes see, from shrek too see she gave me anti-fairy godmother <laughs> where it's like a character that would be boring but it's made really interesting yeah this is a character that should be interesting but is made boring no i really liked her that's funny no she was my probably was really least smart. favorite of the Leads. That's so funny. I loved her design too. Also, weird thing, RuPaul's in this movie as the announcer. Oh yeah, I remember you but mentioning that. Even I barely noticed. Yeah, a very small role. So then, they escape by her changing into a bunch of different animals. And okay, so this is also why I found her annoying. She was knocking over all of these important sculptures and stuff, and you know I don't like that. And then she turned into a whale, and she destroyed so much history, and I oh don't like gosh. that either. You know I don't like these things. Yes, but they were going to kill Hippelster. Oh, she didn't have to knock over statues. The statues didn't do anything. Okay, the statues helped her. This is her. before she was even turning into different things. <sighs> I don't know why you just are so, like... We must protect, let Ballister die to protect history. You're the director. This is you literally want to protect when they were walking th- in. She was being, like, count, count, contrary to their goal of being stealthy and subtle and not making a bunch of noise. And she was knocking a bunch of shit over. Oh, yeah, sure. This is just the evil establishment. She's tearing down their art. <sighs> you can defend their evil art. That's fine. But it is evil art. Anyway... It is. So. You know it. Then, this is my next criticism, is there's a few different fight scenes in which a poppy song plays, and I don't like the song choices. They feel like they should be a big moment, but I feel like the song choices are, like, weird off-brand pop, like it's not even, like, a real song. Yeah. And it's, like, takes the wind out of the sails a bit. I didn't hate the pop songs, but I don't really remember them either, so I think you're... They didn't I just feel like those were, like, real moments for, like, a real, like, that that scene in Shrek that's like, I don't give a damn on my reputation, you know? <laughs> but, like, they weren't because they were just, like, whatever songs, you know? Here's thy next thing. What? I did not like Beck Bennett as Tobias Serblade. Okay. The knight that everyone wants to punch. Yeah. But that's only, and that's not entirely the film's fault or Netflix's fault. Okay. He also was in Mitchell's In the Machines in a very similar, like, mm. role mm-hmm. as, like, an, a minion of the authority power. Yeah. Who 
like has an intertwining role in the film as a small character. Yeah. And it's just a very similar role in a lot of ways. Mm. And so he's kind of doing like a lot of the similar things. It's not the exact same. He's more jerkish here. Yeah. It's it's not Netflix's fault though, because he would have been cast and recorded long before they bought the film. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm just mad because it feels like Netflix just did it, but Netflix obviously didn't know they just did it when they bought it. So I'm not mad at the film. I just Netflix did that other movie. Yeah. I thought that was a Disney movie. No, that was a movie that Sony made and then sold to Netflix, and then this what was a movie? movie, The Mitchells versus the Machines. What's that one? Mitchell's versus the machine. With the kids and their dad? Yeah. Oh. I thought that was a Disney movie. I don't know how many times I can keep saying it's not a Disney movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's anyway, not a Disney movie. I thought he was fine. I liked him. He's fine. He just is doing the same thing in my opinion they did before. This is in the movie when they decide to kidnap the squire, which was a good move apparently. And this is when Nimona starts to grow on me and she continues to grow on me throughout the rest of the movie so it's really good because she saves herself there um her and Ballastar also start developing like a father-daughter relationship and it's really cute and it's really genuine and i really like it okay um i liked the demon baby that she made yeah the little boy yeah that was cute he reminded me of meet the robinsons you know that movie I know of it. So, anyway, there's a little kid in there. If you know, you know. Okay. Um, I also like that. And then I like um, the relationship between Ballastar and What's-His-Face is, is just so fanfiction. Even, like, him, like, being in charge of, like, finding Ballastar. And then he, like, when she's, like, fake Bal, he knows it's not real him. And it's, like, because they have this, like, sneak, this, like, deep understanding. And then he's, he's after him. But then he catches him and he can't shoot him because they're in love. Why are you yeah. making faces at me? <laughs> you know making a lot of sense. <laughs> making so much Where sense. Where he fake bows and then like then he does the thing and then he sees it and is like that's not real. Yeah. I appreciate your enthusiasm. When she turns into Ballastar no, no, he no, knows. No, I get it. I get it. It took me a while but I got there. Okay. Um, anyway, so it's very fan fiction and I love that about them. And then they get proof from the squire and it's a video of what's her face changing the sword. The director. And so... What's your face? Nimona is like, we need to upload this. But Bao is like, no, that'll ruin people's confidence in the whatever. Stop saying these. <laughs> stop using pronouns and adverbs instead of I don't know nouns. what it's called. The Institute. The Learn, Institute. Remember the words. Don't get mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I guess I am. I'm sorry. You can. And the Mona's all like, the Institute is stinky. And he's like, no, it's not. I devoted my whole life to it. And she's like, whatever. So they go to his boyfriend and they're like, hey, look, I have proof. And then this is really smart on the director's part because he holds out the phone and she's like, a weapon. And so they shoot it. Yeah. That was smart. He should have backed that up to the cloud. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and the Mona was right. She was so right. But anyway, so he's like, 
he does this is when he finally talks to his boyfriend and is like hey i didn't do it because that's like the thing up until this point which is such a man thing to be like to not say you didn't do something and then be mad at somebody else for believing that you ever could but you never tell them your side you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so anyway he finally tells him he's like like look like you shouldn't need the proof you know i didn't do this like blah 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 um but then he attacks him anyway, and it's very sad. And then Mona has to save them again. And she turns into, like, a big T-Rex or something. And then this is when we see her go into a little redhead girl form. Which I think is her original form that we find out later, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie also with her is kind of playing... This is, like, kind of why the movie's so gay, is obviously Bao and What's-His-Face are gay. But with her, we're also kind of playing with, like, pronouns and identity. Nimona is very... You can definitely read her as non-binary or trans allegory. Yeah. Which feels very intentional. There's a lot of, like, what are you? I'm just like, I'm Nimona. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah. They're like, but what are you? I'm Nimona. And, like, when Ballister and her are, like, first together, and he's like, can you be normal? And she's like, what's normal? And he's like, be a girl. And and then when she turns into a little boy, and he's like, what? I forget exactly what happens, but he's like, are you a boy now? And she's like, sometimes. I don't know. Something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is, like, a lot of conversation of identity around that, which, like, works really smoothly in terms of, like, Nimona throughout the whole movie kind of has this idea that um, this sort of, like, advocating for monsters kind of rhetoric. Like, we never see another monster, but it's very clear in this society. It's it's very, like, kill the monsters. Similar to kind of Sea Beast, if anyone's seen that. Um... So even with her presence and, like, communicating with Ballastar and stuff, she's kind of breaking that idea down, um, which also kind of goes with the gender allegory and yeah. what we're seeing with that right now. Yeah. Uh, Disney, I did more research when you were talking. Uh-huh. Disney did actively tell the studio when they bought them Yeah. for a while, no, we have problems with this, being too... They've said it was concerns about the LGBTQI uh, al- or allegories and information type thing. Great. That's not an exact quote, but yeah. Disney for a while, or the themes was their wording. Yeah. They were concerned for a while. And then they were just like, oh, we had to shut down Blue Sky. Yeah. So, Disney is cowards. They have always been um so yeah this is like for me this is a really good part of the movie i will say also like i think the movie has a very slight tone problem in that like sometimes i think it gets too silly for the rest of the movie were you finding that no i was finding it kind of incongruent sometimes no because i I thought it actually had really well done tone especially during action being able to perfectly balance being goofy and silly while keeping just serious enough that you felt stakes were real. I loved it. Okay. Well, I, I do felt- wish the action scenes had 
more set pieces beyond just her transformations uh-huh. or just beyond Nimona's transformations because their transformations are really cool uh-huh. but I don't think that they equate fully to set pieces that I wanted or like I thought the set pieces were fine I want more grandness she fell through, like, in the fight no 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 hold on in the fight. I wanted more grandness in the fight not in like more fight choreography yeah sure more fight, but like grandness and fun and big fight choreography, not just like more fighting. But I wanted the fighting to be more memorable than just, haha, sword to the left, mm. sword to the right, ooh, sword to the left again. I didn't care about that, but I don't normally care about fights. See, I do. I love a good fight. I did find the comedy incongruent sometimes. I liked the comedy. I thought it was too silly sometimes. I disagree. Okay. The stuff that really worked, though, is when you over- overheard the little institute, like, henchmen or whatever talking to each other. Like, the thing about the otter, that was really funny. See, I like that stuff. I thought that was really good. <laughs> Bal and Nimona trick the director into confessing, because Nimona pretends to be, uh, pretends to be what's-his-face. And then they upload it and nobody likes the director but then the the director is really smart and she has a video of Nimona transforming and stuff and she goes hey that wasn't me in the video look at this monster who can transform into anyone she just set me up so now everyone's like what and then the director finds like a scroll with a little pink girl on it and Nimona is like pink that's her whole thing so she's like that's her and she's Gideon's nemesis or whatever who's like their god or whoever so, well, Nimona doesn't ever really tell us her backstory. She tells us indirectly, and then she tells us directly. She was a shapeshifter. She's been alive for a long time. See, which is also why I'm kind of like, I have, anyway, it's fine. She's been alone the whole time. You, uh-huh. you just hate Nimona so much. I don't like she, her in the beginning. I just don't. I'm sorry. So I like her by the end. It's just so weird. I just think she's annoying in the beginning. It's fine. You don't have to like her. I'm just surprised how much you don't like her. Yeah. Uh, so then... She was a shapeshifter, and then there was... She was friends with... But wait, because this is important for Ballister and What's-His-Face's relationship. Okay, so Ballister and Ambrosius have a meeting, and Ambrosius is totally on Ballister's side by this point. He's seen the video. He completely believes him that the director killed the queen. No, he doesn't. I lied. But he believes that uh, Bal didn't. So he meets up, and he's like, listen, she's fooled us all. It's like a whole thing, whatever. And Bal thinks that he's talking about the director. But then Ambrosius is like, no, I'm talking about your friend, the monster. And Bal, who's completely converted by this point, and, like, him and the Mona have been, like, really bonding, and it's really cute, and they've been playing games, and he's, like, not scared of her anymore, is, like, what the fuck? That was, see, that was, like, another really good moment. But then he goes home to her, and he has the scroll with her on it, and he's, like, all freaked out and confused, and he's, like, is this you? And she's, like, how dare you ask me that? And then he almost calls her a monster, and then she runs away. Because everyone shows up to, like, kill them or something. And then that's when we find out her actual backstory. She was in the past as a shapeshifter, but she was lonely because all the animals and stuff were like, you're not really one of us. And this is when we see her as a little redhead girl. 
And I also think it's before the wall was built, but I'm not sure. It is before the wall's built. Yeah. Because it's the it's the little girl was Glorhoth. Yeah. So this is the this is the origin of Gloria. This is the origin story. Which I love. Gloria She's like the little woman. girl. It's just a little girl standing up to the monster. Girl boss gatekeep gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> so she stands up to the monster. Everyone's like, "Whoa!" And that's when the origin. Well, begins. first they're friends. Yeah, first they're friends, and then she betrays her. So they weren't really friends to begin with. No, they were. That's not what that means. They were never friends. That's like a they... very complex thing to say. I know. I'm the just, basis uh... of betrayal is that there's something to betray. Okay, you're right. Okay, they were friends, and then the whole town sees Nimona turn into a bear, and Goliath gets all like peer pressured. And then she's all like, go back to the shadows from whence you came. And it's like very mean. Yes. And the Mona is very sad and she's flashing back and then she turns into a big shadow monster. Yes. The Mona told us earlier in the film, she didn't know which is harder, wanting everyone to stab her in the heart or sometimes wishing that they did. Everyone yeah. wanting her to stab them, her in the heart. Yes. Wait, everyone sometimes wanting it- to stab her in the heart, yeah. Anyway, so she turns into the big shadow monster that everyone fears. Yeah. And is legend. I like the design for this thing. She's got a big glowy eyes, a big glowy mouth, and then a big glowy, like, heart thing. Mm -hmm. Which, as we know with big monsters, that's symbolic. And, well, she's first, we think she's attacking the town. She's really going to try and stab herself in the heart. I didn't think she was attacking the town. I also really like this. I thought this was really, really clever, too, is... 95% 95% of the construct the destruction that we see is caused from them shooting her and yeah. making her fall into buildings. Yes. Like she isn't destroying stuff unless they're like making her, yes. which I thought was really cool. Yes. Um so she goes to stab herself on the statue of her friend, which is I love this part. This kind of made me cry. I thought it was so emotional and a lot. But there's the film replays the audio of her saying, sometimes I don't know what's harder, the fact that everyone wants to kill me or sometimes I want to let them. And I hated that. It was so Birds of Prey. And I don't know why they did that. Birds of Prey? Yeah. Why was it Birds of Prey? Because that was a problem with Birds of Prey. Where they would just verbally tell you what was happening so you could figure it out. Like I think it was that it wasn't... They were fighting and the Harley was like, this is one you should scream. It's like, yeah, we know. I... I do not think it needed to be spelled out again. I thought that was kind of cheap. I... I don't think it needed to be there for many people, but I think there are people who wouldn't get it. Okay, let them not get it. I'm fine with them saying it. I did not like that. I I thought it took away from the moment. It was a very emotional, like... And it, it was so, like, Studio Ghibli, like, Princess Mononoke, and it's, like... They also would... voiced by Chloe Grace Moretz. Really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know she was in that. Really? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't she have been very little when that came out? Maybe we're thinking of a different Studio Ghibli princess movie. Okay. I'm thinking of the new one. No. Okay, the new the, one? The new princess movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Anyway, um... 
so I didn't like that, but I, I thought it was very, I thought it was very sentimental and like really, really worked. And Bao being there on the tip of the sword to like stop her was like just perfect and I loved it. And I thought it was super good. And I also loved the ambassador. The director. The, the director. She was turning their wall guns onto the city to kill the monster. Yeah. And then Ambrosius is like, you can't do that. You're going to kill everyone. And she's like, but I'll kill the monster. And he's like, she's gone crazy. And he yeah. like goes to try to stop her, but then she shoots them all. So it's I love- the classic injustice format of mm-hmm. how many people will you have to kill to keep them safe, mm-hmm. to keep the people safe. And when you really think about it, it's like an endless number. And she's like, I have to, I'll kill everyone in the town to keep them, everyone in the town safe from the monster. Yeah. And it's like, well. And I really liked him, his slow come around, slower than Ballester, but I liked seeing it. And then I also, at one point, it looked like the director was going to, like, see the arrow of her ways. And I was like, she can't, the, don't do that. But then she shot everyone. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right for that character. And anyway, Ballister stops Demona from stabbing herself, and then the cannon's about to go off, destroying the town. So Nimona, now back in her not giant shadow black, monster form, black shadow. You can't say that word. Why? Not monster. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Monsters. Monsters seen as like a slang in this movie uh-huh. for. Not really. Nimona. Yeah. She just doesn't like being called a monster. Yeah, it's like slang to her. I don't think it's like slang. It's like slang to her. I don't think so. It's just not something nice to call someone. I see it as <laughs> slang. Like, she sees it as slang. Like, it's an offensive word she does not like being called. It's not just, oh, I don't like that word. Like, it is a word intended to say you are not valuable and you are a bad person. Okay. She's she transforms into some type of a fire bird phoenix no, thing. No, she's all pink and like squiggly. Yeah, pink phoenixy. Yeah. Creature. I and do. she goes and like eats the rocket. Yeah. She so takes it like the shoots. Full blast. Yeah, it like shoots right into her, and they like both explode, and she yeah. turns into little like pink sparkles, which is really sweet. And then like Bal is there, and he almost like catches one, but then it goes out, mm-hmm. and it's like really sad. It's like genuinely really sad. Yeah. And so- and then there's a big hole in the wall. And we get this lovely little, like, landscape. And you can see that it's not full of monsters. Which is such a cliche with city wall things that, like, outside the wall is actually fine. That I do want to eventually see a movie where I, where someone's like, have you ever seen outside the wall? Maybe it's fine. And then they go look and it's, like, not fine. Well, that is a thing. World War Z does that. Ba Sing Se does that. What do I see? Does that? Yeah. What? There's like the city with the walls. I don't remember that, but I believe you. And then Bossing Say. I don't know what that is. Avatar Last Airbender. Oh. Also, it's a city with a wall. And everyone inside is like, the wall is safe. The wall protects us. And it was true. The wall was safe. <laughs> and the wall did actually protect them. Okay, cool. <laughs> they are the problem. There they actually take in the direction of the wall people have too much faith in the wall uh-huh. and they're too like no the wall's good we're all good now because we got the wall the wall's great and they don't really think about anything else 
So then we get our little epilogue, and Ballister and Ambrosius are back together. We get a full gay kiss. Yes. First one. He seems to have forgiven him for chopping off the arm. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, I wasn't that mad at him. It looked like a like a reflex, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ballister goes back to his hideout to <laughs> clean up, to reminisce. Yeah. And to maybe turn it into his home. Uh, it's not clear. Anyway, he puts up the drawing of Nimona that a child made. Because the town like, now sees them as a hero. Yeah, which was I also really touching. Like, yeah. this part, like, really, really worked. Um, and I really liked it. And then... He said... And then he hears, like, a knock that he heard earlier when he first met Nimona. Mm-hmm. He's like, baby, a miracle happened. And she's like, oh, no, it's not a miracle. And he's sad. And then there is a miracle, and Nimona's back. Yeah, you hear her. Which yeah. I was like, honestly, I didn't think they were going to keep her dead. But I kind of wanted them to because her death was, like, so effective. Like, yeah. it really, really worked. But I don't – I think they let it sort of hang there for long enough that it still works within the story. And I, I – think it's nice that she came back too so i'm not like upset about it i was fine with them allowing her to come back they gave enough time that it felt real and then they were like okay but she's back yeah Uh, and then the movie ends and yeah it's a good movie overall great time good netflix movie the gay stuff is really really good gay stuff's fun it's really good really good i really like the cast of our three leads is really good the voice the voice acting is really good yeah you don't really recognize a bunch of them. No. So I they enjoyed, really are acting. I enjoyed it. Like, it's like a, it's an enjoyable watch. And that concludes today's episode of Friends of Film Camp. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you next time at the campfire. <laughs>